Hello everyone and welcome to the Bikers Podcast. Today you are joining me and Talk and we are going to be talking... Hello. <laughs> I spoke when I shouldn't have. No, God you're fine. damn it. No, you're fine. We're keeping it. We're still going. <laughs> oh no. Oh, okay. Okay, we're going. Okay, yeah, we got this. And today we are talking about the proposed and confirmed law changes in the UK to motorcycle laws and what we think about them. So the first point that I think is most important to make here is 21-year-olds are going to be able to have fully unrestricted bikes instead of 24 without A2. What do you think about that? Considering a lot of other places in the world, specifically America, are just allowing whatever you want at whatever age, Mm -hmm. then I think it's it's actually quite good. 21 is is a good good age to wait, I think. Because 17, 18, 19, 20, maybe 20, but 17, 18, and 19, you're still a bit a bit young to be on a on a litre bike shooting at one, 180 down the motorway. Exactly that. And I think it's important as well that at 24, you're going to be settling down and buying your own house, yeah. getting a family. You're not going to have the money to spend on a brand new R1 at that point, are you? Yeah. But nobody is, but still having that, Having it three years earlier when you just turn adult is better than halfway through your adult life after you give up biking. Yeah. Because a certain point in people's lives is they give up because they need a car for families, shopping, everything. So I think younger people should be entitled to a younger bike. Yeah, have have the fun while you're young and while you still can. Exactly. But anyway, let's, let's jump right down the ladder, down to CBT. Ooh. What do you think of the current CBT at the moment? It's very easy to get on the road. I think it's too easy. Yeah, with like no experience. It's too, a lot of trust going into some some teenager getting on a 50 or a 125 and just, just ragging it with L plates. Oh, exactly. Because besides not, not carrying pilly and it's you just you just on a bike res. Whereas a car, you've got someone sat next to you who can who can rip the handbrake and go, what you're doing, you've been an idiot. On a bike, there's no one there. There's just other people on the road and you. And that's... Exactly. And they don't see what you're doing the whole time because they've got... A CBT is done two to one normally, isn't it? Yeah. Two learners to one examiner. He's watching two people. Exactly. So for half of your ride out, which is two hours, he's not even looking at you. No. So I don't know how that works. I get that you you should be learning how to ride on the road and learning to do all this stuff, but there's just too much availability to take advantage of it exactly so they want to change the cbt from its current it's got five stages a b c d e yeah where like only two sections is the car park bit where you learn figure of eight and then you go out on the road yeah the rest is talking in a classroom clothing and i think highway code and then you're on it yeah so for half of the day you're talking so really the cbt is essentially four hours long with talking points hmm which is what it is. It's, yeah. So what they want to do is knock it down to four. Right. They want the car park bit still. Yeah. The road riding bit. And then they want equipment and clothing and highway code. Okay. So it'll be longer on each section. They're going to remove one of them. Which which one are they removing? Is it the... I think they're just combining them. So instead of it being two sections, it's one. Okay. So it's the clothing, equipment and everything... And the highway code is probably going to be one big section. Hmm. 
So I don't know what four parts because they haven't released that yet from their confirmed things. This is apparently six years in the making, this. It was confirmed six years ago. That's a long time for them to not be doing much, I'm going to be honest. But just after they confirmed it all, in 2015, or was this, hang on, was this just before? No, I can't remember when this was exactly. I did research, but I lost a tab. That's okay. The DVSA split into the DVSA and the DSA. Yeah. Which drastically put a lot of confusion on CBTs because most people in the DVSA and DSA now had to split their opinions. Yeah. So a lot of the CBT stuff was all over the place. That, yeah, can cause a kerfuffle. Yeah, they want to change that. And they want to add a theory test before the CBT, especially for CBT. It's not the same as motorcycle theory. I like that. I Because it's... I see a lot of people going into the CBT. Because I've, I've done mine twice, I think. Yeah, twice. And both times, there was at least one person on the course that just had absolutely no idea. Yes, I've seen that. Like, they, you tell them twist the throttle to go and they just wouldn't get their head around it. Like, oh my... Yeah, carry on. And it's basic concepts like that that are just go straight over their head and you think, you shouldn't even be here in the first place if you don't understand this. Exactly. I guess that theory test is just a safeguard to stop them getting on the road and crashing into a lamppost or something. Because then they've had to do research. I mean, yeah. the funniest thing I think I've seen, and I feel very bad for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was doing my A1 training. This was when I was 17, doing my full A1 for the 125cc. So I was off L plates. Yeah. And we were in the car park at the training school, getting ready to go to the test center for mod one. Mm. And there was a group of people doing their full A on their SV650s. Okay, okay. There was They were told, practice your U-turns because that's going to be the bit you struggle with because the Suzuki SV650 has anti-stall. So if you drop the revs on a corner, it'll pick them up for you so it can shake you a bit. Yeah. So they were told, keep practicing that and get used to that anti-stall because it'll both help you and hurt you. So balance it. Yeah, yeah. So that's obviously an extra obstacle for them. But this poor guy, the anti-stall must have kicked in or something because he had a wobble going round, pulled in the clutch and a front brake and threw himself over the bike, snapped off the mirror and bent the handlebar just before his mod one. Oh no. So this was, this was just during the practice? Yeah, that was in the practice. So he had to sign oh, no. a full accident form and then get a new bike out and then practice again and then go to his test five minutes later which I imagine that is a massive confidence. That's mental. I mean, I was nervous enough for me doing my A2. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've done A1 and A2, and I've seen a lot of stuff on there. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine dropping... I mean, obviously, it's not not 100% his fault. No, he's still new, isn't he? Yeah, he's new and he's learning in the anti-stall, but that's, uh, that would have just absolutely shattered my confidence. <laughs> exactly. There was, on my A2, this was a year... What was that a year ago now just over a year i was sat in the test car park again for mod one i just haven't got good luck here it was completely dry the conditions and it was for which test center was this this was reading test center it was probably the best mod one track i have ever seen enclosed car park perfect concrete asphalt whatever you want to call it yeah cones were perfect number tatty you know it was incredible but this girl was very wobbly on the MT-07. She'd come from Bamboo. Yeah. She was very, very wobbly. Oh, I know all about that. 
That's... This must have been a last minute test for her A. Like, quick. Yeah. You need to do this. It's quick, get it done. You've got a trip abroad. Got to get the, got to get the bike, yeah. Yeah, something like that. But whatever she did, it just wasn't right. And she fell over in the car park before making it in. No. On the bike. She dropped the bike on her. You know, as the examiner waves you in. Yes. No. Panicked and dropped the bike. The worst time. <laughs> I would rather drop the bike doing the test than on the way. Yeah, she didn't even make it in. But she still failed because the second they call you, your test starts. Yeah. But she was made to do it all because that was her time slot. I know. That's that's the worst part if you fell right at the beginning. Because I, when I did my um, A2, because I yeah. failed the mod one the first time, because oh, yeah. the, the MT-07s are on, where, where obviously the bikes are, are used quite a bit yeah, they're by lots of people, by learners. And so the clutch, if it wasn't warm, it was on or off. That's <laughs> it. You don't, there was no slipping the clutch. And... I was praying that I got the first slot of the two people I was with. Yeah. No, second slot. So I have to sit there thinking, hurry up. I can't let this clutch cool down. Yeah, I know what you mean. And unfor- unfortunately, got to the um, the figure of eight and pulled the clutch out. Nothing, nothing, nothing on. Full wham. Oh. And put my foot down. Oh. And it's like, I'm, I'm there. I'm there. And I'm just thinking, no. That's it. I just have to go through the whole thing. It's amazing how strict they are as well, because one foot down is a fail. So it's just luck. No, immediate fail. It's all luck. It is. Because the second time around, I aced it. Yeah, exactly. So you didn't have... It's not that you didn't have the skill the first time, it's that the conditions weren't in your favour. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Money-grabbing scheme, that's all it is. Yes. Which leads me on to the next point. You ready to hear this? Yeah. So let's say you're 16, just done your C- your CBT theory. Yeah. And then your CBT. And then your motorcycle theory. There would be no other category but A1 when you're 17. Right. So you do a full test at 17, the mod one, the mod two. Yeah. No more L plates on a one, two, five. A2 is abolished. Okay. Right. Well, the A- A2 test, sorry. Okay. Two years later on your A1, you are then allowed to ride A2 power, but it's still called A1. Just straight on the license? After a seven-hour training course. Okay. And then two years after that, you can have an A after a seven-hour training course. It would be called, they've called it licensing insensitization. <laughs> Incentivization? Faster words. Is that, that's, yeah, there you so go. So it's training upgrades from lower categories to higher categories instead of repeat taking tests between licensed categories. I love that. So instead of tests, it's experience. I actually love that. Couldn't agree more. It would add up more expensive, in my opinion. Yes. Because, I mean, for me, a test, mod one, mod two training... I do about two days of training just to be sure I'm ready and not picked up bad habits. Yeah. It's about 600 quid, 700 quid. Yeah, about that for me. Yeah, I think a training day would be probably about in the same price range, if not a little bit more, because it's a full day. Yeah. And it's a bigger bike, so you're going to be paying a bigger fee to hire them as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, more fuel, bigger bike, just more because. Yeah, exactly. And along with that, another thing I completely agree with a single event test. 
No mod one, no mod two. It's one day. You do stuff in the car park and go straight out. Yes, because I had to use so many. Like, I used, what was it? Two days of holiday for the training, then another two for the mod one and mod two. So on separate days. I was the same. And it's four days of my holiday from work. Exactly. And they're not even days in a row, are they? They are random odd days that don't make any sense. Yeah. But then the only issue with that is... I think the amount of people that will want to do it. Yes. You'll pro it'll probably be like what the car test is now. We have to wait like half a year, especially during COVID. I remember that. That's still bad now. There was a massive, yeah, there's still the backlash from that, a massive waiting period. Yeah, I've got my driving test in November and I've been waiting six months for that slot. Exactly. It's crazy. I'm hoping I pass that because I'm not waiting another six months. <laughs> I think retakes they can push you up the um thing that's that's another thing is retaking mod one and mod two. Oh yeah what about it how expensive it then becomes yeah yes because they're on different days again it's a lot of money so not only do you have to take the day off work you have to pay for the bike hire the training fees the day fees again yeah why can't i just return in like an hour and just do it again and just try again yeah, why do I have to like wait a week or whatever it was? And how, how can't exactly? How long was it? I can't remember. It's three days, I think. Is it three days? Yeah, I think it's three days for the theory. I'm not sure about the practical, but in three days, what are you going to learn compared to? Not much that will help you. It's luck, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm going to read you the official sentence of their proposed change for their A2 abolishment. Okay. Okay. Just in case I wasn't clear enough, passing the motorcycle test for A1 will grant an A license. Okay. However, this license will be restricted, gaining access access to the A2 specification after two years with compulsory skill training. Okay. So it'll be... I did say it'd be called A1. It'd be called A. So you'll just have one motorcycle category and you build up power. Yeah, so they're getting rid of the tiered... Yes. ...motorcycle licenses... And it, instead, having one license which can be restricted... Supposedly, yes. ...to different levels. For example, if you look at your license card at the moment, there's a section at the bottom called KQ. She's getting it out. <laughs> Sorry, I kind of jumped this on you. <laughs> yeah, you'll see it. It's almost there. Yeah, that's okay. fine. On the back. Yeah, see, is it? KQ at the very bottom. Have you got that? FKQ. Oh, I haven't got F. I've got KQ. Oh, my says FKQ. Do you have in section 12 a license code? Yes. Yeah, so that is what they'll be given for A. Your license code will tell you how much power you can have. Okay. Ah, uh, now, this is something that just sort of sprung to my mind as you were saying this. Yeah. Because when I had I got my car license before my A2. Okay. And obviously on CBT it's uh, learner. Yeah. And on my license, the date of uh, what's what's the official uh, the date of issue? Yeah, uh, is for my A2, not my car. Yes, which I got beforehand. That's the same with me. My date of issue is July 2022. And when going to A, I think they're gonna, the date of issue is gonna yes go to change again that as well. But yeah, A is classed as a full license, so on insurance and things, I'm presuming putting. The date of issue that you got your A2. Well, as when they ask how many years you've had a full license. 
This is where it gets very confusing. I figured this out because I had to ensure a 125 at one point with my A2. Yeah. When I was on A2, yeah. Because my bike last year, my R125, I've just sold a few months ago. Okay, yeah. So I had to say that my license, I've had the license since 2020. Yeah. And I've got five years, no claims. <laughs> <laughs> it does, yeah. And they were like, how? how? That might raise some suspicions. And that's because I've had AM and A1. Yeah. I've been going since I was 16. I'm 21 now. So I'm on my fifth year. Yeah, I've had my A for one year. So my insurer questioned that straight away. They went, how have you got five years, no claims? You got your license last month. <laughs> I don't know. And that, that'll also affect when you do um, the online quotes. Exactly. It gets confusing. So for my car insurance, I don't have a full car license. I have a full bike license. So although I have a full UK driving license, I have a provisional UK driving license for a car. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it gets confusing. There's just... Too many licenses. Yeah, but I've only got one card. <laughs> That's the thing. I think you need to have a separate card for motorbike and car. I can agree with that, but I think more people would lose their license. Although, the UK is all online now, so if you get pulled over, give them your postcode, they'll look you up, and your mm. a li- license will appear online. So it wouldn't surprise me if that's what we go to next. Most probably, I think. Right, okay, I've got, I've got another one for you. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Okay, this one I think is critical because some of the stories I've heard online are horror stories. Oh, no. A new assessment system for instructors and training schools. Okay. So they will be assessed on their ability to teach and they will be graded and ranked like driving instructors are. Yeah. So if you ask for a driving instructor, they'll be A plus, A or B. I like that and also wasn't aware that wasn't already in place. (laughs) No, it's not. You could, so I could apply to be a CBT coach after I've held my A2 for two years. That's all the requirement is. Is that it? So as of June next year, I could be a CBT coach. without I'll be trained by the school, but the DVSA or DSA won't have any say in my training. I'll train how I want to train. That's mental. Which is why some CBT teachers will just fail you or just pass you depending on how they feel. That does explain a lot, now that you say that, yeah. Yeah, which I've seen stories of people confidently riding in the car park and saying, I'm not taking anybody out, you will need to come back another day, I'm going home early. Yeah, that's not okay in any way. No, it's not. Which leads into the next confirmed change, along with that one. Yeah. Recognition for training bodies. So they'll be given, like I said, the rating but that'll be public on the DSA or DVSA website. Okay. Where anybody can find that at any point, and that'll be their complete review online. They just need to search up either instructor name or like company name or something. Yeah. And we'll get all the info. Because it says recognised, to me, that is you will be awarded for good training. Yeah. So I imagine there's going to be a financial incentive behind that where they'll be sponsoring training centres to develop if you know what i mean because they're pushing motorbikes a lot more at the moment i am quite surprised at that because not too long ago it was very very anti-motorbike yeah lots of things are becoming anti-motorbike i feel like these noise cameras that they're putting up everywhere is very anti-motorbike but that that could be a subject for another day yes flipper plate will stop that completely (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, I'm going to jump back to the CBT. I've got two more points to make. Yes. Right. So my big one, loss of CBT entitlement for riders who collect six penalty points. So six points and you have to redo a CBT. I agree. Again, I thought that was already the rule. No, it's 12. Well. But there's a loophole here. Right. You might not lose your license. It's up to the discretion of the officer slash camera that caught you, whoever reviews it. Oh my God. And if you get more than 12 points on your provisional license, now I don't know this for a fact. It's just what I've heard. So correct me if I'm wrong, anybody listening. If you do a full license when you have 12 points or more already on your license, as soon as you get that new card, it'll, you'll be disqualified because you can't have more than 12 points on a full, yet you can on provisional. Yes, that's quite a big issue. <laughs> I imagine it's just a ban for a year or something. I don't think they'll fully revoke it. But still, why would you take a license to have it taken away straight away again? I think when you... Oh, that, that's the problem. Now, now we're coming to some contradictions because if they put it down to you only have one license that gets restricted yeah then what I'm, what I'm, what I'm about to say won't really make any sense but I was going to say when you get a new license so go from A1 to A2 or A2 to A yeah I think your points should be either reset or lowered to whatever let's say three well so that something like that doesn't happen that's a good idea, but you could look at it a different way as well. So it's like no claims discount. So your no, year, your no claims discount over the years lowers your insurance, yeah? Yes. Bike and car don't work together. You can't use your car's no claims on a motorbike and you can't use motorbike no claims on a car. Yeah. So should there be points for a car and points for a motorbike? I think yes, because I know... I do not drive a car the same as I ride a bike. Exactly. That is a good point to make. That is all I'm going to say. That's a good point. I'm sure a lot of people listening are disagreeing with us right now. That's their problem. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Next one. This one I completely agree with, and I'm sure you do as well. Restrict learners to automatics if that's what they do their CBT on. Yes, definitely. 100%. Agreed. It's just adding another level of security to the confidence of riders. Because I done my... That are new. Yeah. I'll be honest. I done my CBT on an automatic and then taught myself gears while riding around town in the middle of the day. Yeah. Did not go very well. I was stalling. No, I was well. stalling on every roundabout. <laughs> I didn't quite know what the gears did. I didn't know how they worked. I didn't even know engine braking was a thing. <laughs> That's... I was similar. When I did my first CBT, it was on... And all because I did it before I turned 17, uh, but I didn't get a 50. So I did the CBT on a twist and go. Yep, I was the same. Uh, 50. And then got to 17 and thought, well, I've got, I had a bike I'm already ready for the, the 17. Yeah. Insured it. And it was like, well, just got to learn this now. But luckily, I was able to go to a private closed road and my dad taught me. Yeah. All the gears and everything I need to know about riding a geared motorbike. See, but that's not the worst thing because no, a lot of people do that. They'll do their CBT on an automatic because they don't like being taught something too advanced in one day and then get someone to teach them, which I think is fine. But 
you can't guarantee that everyone's going to do that. No. So There's also people won't have, like I've had, the ability to go somewhere closed and private and practice and be taught by someone else. Yes. If you live in a family that no one's ever ridden a motorbike, you're the first to do it. Yeah, and you're on your own. You're you're on your own. Yeah, you're learning as you go. And that not only can be sort of dangerous for you and your bike that you just bought, it could be dangerous to other people as well. I don't think it helped my first bike was a two-stroke sport bike. Definitely not, no. So, that's. Uh... <laughs> I didn't even know what the choke done at that point. I had a choke on it. It had a choke, a fuel tap. It was an 80, <laughs> 89cc Malossi GPR 50. 89cc? I ended up blowing up the engine because I pushed it to like 77 or something. <laughs> oh my God. And then the, that's, that is quite interesting. I've never heard of an 89cc Yeah, if I had loads of kids bike. with it. For guy I got it off, well, my dad sorted it for me. Yeah. It came with all sorts of piston kits in it. There was stuff. Oh, was it bored up to 89cc? Yes, sorry, the engine wasn't. Ah. It was bored up. I was going to say, that's a very, very odd cc. Yes, but they to have. There were so many kits in there. There was a 49cc, which was the original. Never heard of this. 69cc. Right. 79cc. <laughs> 79cc and 89cc. There was all sorts of different pistons, spare pistons. That's interesting. <laughs> it, it was. I have no idea who owned the bike before me. No. I'm sure you wouldn't have got any of that mixed up by accident if you ever tried to do an engine rebuild. Oh, God, I couldn't do that. <laughs> no way. <laughs> At 16, I didn't even know how a gear shifter works, let alone an engine rebuild. That's, yeah, that's fair enough. I didn't really. Okay, I've got one more point to make here for you. Yeah. The CBT and A motorcycle training will include filtering and counter-steering syllabus. Yes, I. they need more promotion on filtering, I think. Yes, because so many bikers will just try to do it. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they. We were pretty much discouraged from filtering uh, in in the test and in learning, both CBT and the training for A two. Yes, but CBT. Um, sorry, my test. I did actually filter. Ooh. I was very brave that day. That you are feeling very brave for that. My examiner. He said down the headset. We were stuck in traffic on a dual carriageway. Yeah. I looked back at him. You know, saying, well, this is great, kind of look, with a tilt. Yeah. And he said, if you're comfortable to do so, please filter. So I... That is very interesting. So I said, okay. And I filtered to the end of the lights. And then, thankfully, the heavens lined up for me. And I managed to just slip into a space safely and get my mirror checks in just before I got to the roundabout. That is very good. I genuinely thought that all examiners and all CBT test instructors would have just been like, no, yes. filtering bad. But this... You you failed. This was at the end of my test. He had to get back. Ah. But he did say to me, I filtered very well. So i done well. But motorcycle examiners are different to car examiners in the way they more look for your ability to ride and react instead of how many mirror checks can you do in five seconds? <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a box ticking exercise. It is a safety exercise. A genuine skill assessment. Yes. Of how good you are at riding. There's no oh he he didn't do this or he stalled there. It's a 
you've reacted well to this situation, you've made a good decision here type thing. Exactly. That, that is what they look for. And they'll even help you with cars if they gang up on you. I had another... Yes. My licenses have been problematic. <laughs> I've had another situation here. It was my right of way and we were drive. We were riding through like um, a very rural area, tight roads. Yeah. And as I was going round a car, sorry, not round a car, the car was on the opposite side of the road. So I was coming round the corner Ooh. and the taxi shot round the car Yeah. and was like, I was going to say that much, but you can't see me. Like uh, maybe <laughs> a meter off hitting me. That sounds like a lot. It was very close to me, pretty much. That's when you're riding, that's very close. Yes. So I turned, the examiner came up my side, shouted at the taxi driver, <laughs> said to me with his visor open, that wasn't your fault. It's okay, please carry on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is top quality examiner. Exactly. I think I had something similar. Not quite not quite as dangerous or deadly. But they're more human. Yeah. Going going down a B road. Yep. So that's just the main road. Isn't Obviously it? quite yeah. Well, no, B road like like the country lanes. Uh yep. Is it is that B road? Yeah, yeah, that could be a B road. Yeah, the country lane road basically. Yeah. So it was very bumpy as it is and there was a particular bit which and I will say this quite confidently you wouldn't want to go over maybe 20 miles an hour over the surface. I've had that. It was just terrible. It was bu- it's not not even potholes can't even describe it. It was <laughs> like an earthquake had happened and crossed the road. Oh god. It was terrible. I would rather ride on gravel than that. Uh that's saying something. <laughs> Gravel's my biggest fear. Yeah. Yeah, we're going over this road. And just before we get there, because obviously they have set routes. Yeah. He goes, be careful. You might want to slow down. There is some rough terrain uh, and quite harsh bumps. And I'm thinking that was way too kind for him to say that. (laughs) Because I I reckon if you're in a car, they would have just looked at you, seen that you'd gone over those bumps a bit too quick and gone, hmm, no, that's no, you didn't, didn't look at his surroundings and fill this box. That's 10 dangerous faults, and I'm taking your provisional away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, I, I see what you mean by the human human aspect of the examiners. Yes, they just want to make sure you're not going to get squashed by a car by trying to check boxes. Yeah. Obviously missing lifesaver checks, that they're not going to be happy with that because that, they are required. Yeah, that's... When I, yeah, when I first done my CBT, I thought, why am I going to be doing lifesaver checks? And then I actually started doing them because of my A1 training. And on my training, I nearly got hit by a car because I missed a lifesaver check because he was cutting me up. Yes. And ever since I've had that physical experience needing one, I have never missed one since. No, I. every time I'm changing lanes, lifesaver. Even when I'm driving a car on a driving lesson at the moment, I'll do a lifesaver check for the car window. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, to be fair... I do that. I think it's referred to as a blind spot check. Yes. They, my, I do that loads. They said it's fine because you're just being cautious. That's the bike mm. coming out in you. So I'm going to keep doing that. <laughs> because you, you should, I think you should. But that would save me. Oh, I have got one more point to make. Sorry, I missed one. Ooh, ooh. I missed one. Oh, yay. Right. Electric motorcycles. I am a little bit biased because I love an engine way too much. I also love an engine, but... My job is all about 
engines and getting them to go quick and cars and quick. It's your job. So I'm way too bad. I am, without doxing myself too hard, I am a car build technician for a motorsport company in GT racing. It's so cool. It's a lot less glamorous than it sounds, but it is still, I enjoy it every second of it. Well, that's what you want, a job you enjoy. Yeah. Okay, so electric motorcycles, the engine is obviously very different because it runs off a battery. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, that's that's the, that's the thing. It's battery and individual motors in the in the wheels, I guess. I'm not sure. I haven't looked too much into electric bikes. Exactly. I'm pretty sure it's just a motor in the rear, like a regular motor I could be powered, rather than motor in the front, motor in the rear. Because when you look at electric cars, a lot of them... They are Godspeed. Yeah, well, so a lot of the Teslas especially have a motor on each wheel. Okay, I didn't know that. Type, type, so, so they have the main battery underneath um, the floor, mm-hmm. which is then connected. This is just from... I wouldn't take this as fact. I could be lying completely. I don't know. Um, <laughs> this is from what I understand. Which is then connected to uh, individual motors on each each corner. And obviously... Okay. Some some cars, I think, have like a power saving mode and it will restrict the power of the front two motors. Um, so you're only using the rear ones or s- stuff like that. Oh, okay. So I'm assuming on bikes because that would... If your front wheel was also being powered as well as your rear, that would change cornering and things like that dramatically. So I think it is just rear. Do you think there is a front-powered motorcycle out there? Yeah, ooh. Would that... There's got to be, isn't there? But would that then reverse stoppies and wheelies? <laughs> because if you do front... You could you'd make an electric bike that does that, I reckon. The only issue would be um, if you were to like do your reverse wheelie. Yeah. Whereas you're on the back wheel... You'd have to... And it's a stable, solid frame. Yeah. You'd be on the front wheel and the whole of your bike would be moving in the air. You'd have to, you'd have, to have some insane core strength to hold it straight. Bloody hell. So to do, a, to do a wheelie, you'd have to slam on the front brake, the back brake. And to do a stoppy, you'd have to do a power stoppy with the throttle. That's confusing. That's... Okay. I reckon, I reckon, if you did put an electric motor in the front, you could just reverse something so that full throttle or you could pretty much just put the motor on backwards so that full throttle makes the wheel move backwards a hundred thousand total listens and i'll make a electric motorcycle that's powered on the front wheel let's get yeah, there done let's get there no, we can do that we can do that okay so should there be a different license category for electric motorcycles because if you compare a 125 electric motorcycle to a 125 petrol motorcycle the electric one has a lot more low-end power. Yes, because obviously those electric motors have near instant torque. Exactly, and constant torque. Yes, constant and instant torque compared to a petrol or, yes. I guess, diesel bike, if you're weird. Is there a diesel uh, bike? There? Is that true? <laughs> there is There is a diesel bike. There's a rotary bike as well, which is quite interesting. I've heard of them. Yeah. That's interesting. They that. sound nice. But I, I have seen a diesel bike... Uh, somewhere on YouTube. I'm intro. I'm going to Google that now. Nope, not now, but... It is quite interesting. No, yeah, well... After this session, I'll film that. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, electric motorbikes are weird and they deserve a licensed category of their own because... 
I think so. I agreed. Well, there's there's something else um, that I remember hearing somewhere, and I, I I might need to verify this at some point. Yeah. I think it was at least the idea was proposed of having electric vehicles to have a higher speed limit than petrol and diesel vehicles. See, now there is an argument to both sides of that because braking systems are a hell of a lot better on electric vehicles because the power will just shut off. It's also emissions. Exactly. The emissions from a petrol going slower will be obviously less. If you're doing 70, you're going to have higher emissions than if you're doing 50. Yes, there's a lot of emission stuff at the moment, like the ULEZ zones. Yeah. The clean air zones up in... Where's, where's that? Nottingham or Newcastle? Oh, yeah. Clean air, yeah. Which I, I don't agree with it because you shouldn't make people pay every day in order to drive somewhere because London is £12.50 yeah. a day. And I, it's ridiculous. I paid for £12.50 and still got a £90 fine in the post. How does that work? I don't know. I had to dispute it and everything. It took ages to get a reply. That's that's the they're they're sort of hoping that you forget or don't care. Exactly. So they'll just say they'll send you get more money. That is a problem, is making money. I've called up a company asking for my 90p back before. I'm petty. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> Okay. 90p. It was it was an 89p transaction. I wanted it back. <laughs> Fair enough. Can't, bl- can't blame you for that. I got it back. It's good, it's good. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question now. A few questions, actually. I've been thinking of them yes. while we've been talking. If you were going to change the laws on motorcycles, what would your CBT consist of? What would be your four stages of your CBT? Four stages? Or, or five. What would... What would your stages to CBT be? As many as you want. I'm just going to sort of make it up as I go along. Yep, that's, <laughs> that's fine. I would start off. There would there would be no no riding immediately, as there is currently. You would start off all classroom. You'd be going over the very basics, gear and the general protection, how the gear works, how it protects you, benefits and negatives of said gear, i.e. leather gear. You're probably going to slide a bit longer and... The reusability after a crash is a bit higher, although personally, I'd probably just replace it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people keep helmets after a crash as well. Yeah, no, I would never do that. I a small drop, I put, I'd keep it. Mm-hmm. But if I if I like put it up on a shelf and it falls, I'm probably going to replace it. I'm very very picky with with things like that. So am I, because if the frame even cracks, your head could get split. Then it's it completely changes its protection. It's that easy. Yeah. So how long would that section take in your CBT? Would that be- I think... So I want to keep the CBT in one day. Yep, I agree with that. I, my last two CBTs started at about eight and finished at about two. Two? I think, yeah, it was quite quick. Yeah. I think extending that out to, for like eight till six, obviously lunch break and things in between. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. The CBT centre that I use does eight till four and they'll keep you there the whole time. Yeah, that's yeah. You should. That's how it should be. But I think maybe an hour, hour and a bit of going through, ask, answering questions, and just going through all the details that are really important on, on just the gear and safety. And then once you understand the gear, you move. And that, that's the thing. I you want to make sure they understand it, not just tick the box. I've talked about it. We'll carry on. Okay, I agree there. Yep. I think after you've understood all that, you go to 
general riding concepts. Oh, okay. Like the section where they show you how the indicators and the horn and the side stand and pushing the bike works. That's it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. P- pushing the but this is before you get on the road before you get to this the uh, the off course bit. Yeah. So you don't have the keys yet. You're just learning the bike. Yeah. You're you're they they might take you outside, show you around the bike, show you every part of it that you need to know. Yep. And even maybe some things you don't need to know just to just because bit bit of knowledge here and there can't hurt anyone. Yeah, I agree with that. That's good. Yeah. So so after taking you around the bike, they will show you some actual on-road con or not show you, tell you about some on-road concepts. So like counter steering, leaning, what different ways of leaning can do, things like that. And then, only then, once you understand all that, you'll start the on off-road course and you'll take it slow. I think even just getting used to putting the gear in, uh, the bike in gear, if you're doing geared or versus automatic, blah, blah, blah. Just putting the bike in gear, just take it slow and take your time. See that? Just to really understand. That point you made of you can't move on until you fully understand what you're doing in that section yes. is very important. And I completely agree with that. Because a lot of CBTs, there is a... The classroom bit is normally a sat outside listening to an instructor read off a bit of paper. Yeah. It's not very engaging. And they'll ask for group questions. So you can sit there and not say a thing. Yeah. I think having individual times for that classroom learning, because you do do... I remember when I did it, uh, we did... He went out with one person while one stayed back and then swapped over. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think the same should happen with the with the the theory part of the CBT. Oh, okay, I get you. In which he will put one to the side, take one away, and then go through all of this and make sure they understand on an individual level. That's good. So would you have two classrooms, one where you do one section and one where you do the other? You'd split it in two and then swap them? Or would you just let the guy wait? I think think you let them wait and use that as like a, a lunch or tea break or something. Yeah, that works. That way their day's broken. Because I feel like that's, yeah. Yeah, you're breaking up the day so it's not constant. Because I feel like if it is constant throughout the day, it will just be way too much info and you can't really sit on it and think about it. Oh, a CBT is very heavy. It is a big day. For us, there is a lot there. I was 16 and it it took me a couple days to recover from that headache. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot to cram, in, cram into my small, small, tiny brain. Yeah, but once you get older, like me now doing two days of motorcycle training in a row, it's perfectly fine. I feel tired after it because seven hours of riding a bike is exhausting. Yes. It's what I'd done for my A1 because I had three training days because I was not a good rider back then. <laughs> when I was on Elplitz. Yeah. And I had my training days all in a row because this was pre-COVID. So I had seven hours, seven hours, and seven hours of training, and then test day, five-day break, test day. That's a lot of riding a bike. I was destroyed. I didn't want to get on the bike for the test. I was like, do I have to do this? <laughs> yeah, I think breaking up is quite important. Yes, I agree. Give them some a, a break every couple hours, just 20 minutes to collect yourself and process what you've been told and you you can like i said stagger it so you're doing one at a time with one person while the other has a break and then stagger that throughout the day exactly yeah help and process that information yeah okay but we have ran about 50 minutes so that's that's (laughs) i think we should finish off here yeah so if you guys have enjoyed the bikers podcast follow us on whatever platform you're listening to 
on, listening to us on. We are on most platforms now. So follow us, hit that notification button if you have one. New episodes come out every week. I've been Naif and this has been Talk. Hello. Goodbye. <laughs> Hello. Oh, that was the wrong one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Cuts. Cuts. <laughs>